As I'm recording this episode, it's the last couple of days before the New Year's of 2023 into 2024. So this talk, this episode is going to have just a little bit of language indicative of that fact. Imagine a man who, in the long ago days of his youth, received the word that he, at some point in his life, would be the one who would first bless the Christ child, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Imagine that. To be a young, red-blooded man, with all the personal hopes and dreams of all that his own future might hold, all the things he might accomplish, all the ways in which he'd surpass all the other young men his age. And then, by the quiet, earnest whispering of the Holy Spirit, to find that his life's true purpose was, in fact, simply to wait, to be available, watching. Yes, to grow in personal, experimental knowledge of the realities of the Godhead, to maintain a heart wide open to the obedience is called for. But again, simply to wait, to be watchful, not knowing the year, the day, the hour, the minute when his life's purpose would attain its aim. Through his 20s, when everyone else was finding their footing, starting careers, getting married, he waited. Through his 30s and 40s, when so many of life's accomplishments are being accomplished, waiting on. As he watched his generation cross over into their 50s, children raised, status achieved, even grandchildren starting to arrive, he continued watching and waiting. 60s, 70s, up into the beginning of his 80s, day by day there in the temple in Jerusalem, watching for the sign. And now imagine a woman in the long ago days of her youth, who in that culture experienced the greatest loss possible for a woman losing her husband. For seven years, she'd known the protection, enjoyment, companionship, quiet happiness of being married to a good man she'd known since her earliest days. Then, and even before any children could be born to them, he was gone. So young, she was already a widow. So her 20s, when all her friends were having their first, second, third, fourth children, she was alone. Through her 30s and 40s, while those friends were raising those children and watching them find their footings and leave home, she simply watched. As she saw her generation crossing over into their 50s, grandchildren arriving, the mellowing of age, she began migrating daily to the temple. 60s, 70s, up into the beginning of her 80s, now day by day and always in the temple, praying, worshiping, even prophesying. Can we see those parallel lives going about their lives? Well, now let's observe their convergence. As we all do, they arise to a particular morning, get out of bed, 
get themselves ready, have their breakfasts alone in their small homes. But something today is different. Something in their spirit. They each, sitting there on their own, and in the silent recesses of their spirits, feel the compelling sense of something. They each arrive at the temple. They each take up position at opposite ends of Solomon's portico. They each begin the passing of this fresh new day with hands aloft, faces upturned as they welcome the experience of the presence of God in his temple. Until the man, Simeon is his name, suddenly opens his eyes wide. He has heard or sensed, it doesn't really matter which, that he is to go into the inner court. He goes. He moves through the milling crowds. He studies the faces of the worshipers and pilgrims. Those seeing him, seeing how he looks, part the way before him. Then, and here, Words are beggared of their power of description. How does one really express the experience of what I'm going to try to describe happening in Simeon's heart at the sight of what he's seeing? Then, and recalling again that this is a man whose whole life has been dedicated to the promise of one single moment's sight, that he has passed a lifetime in complete consecration to a singular point upon a timeline of total belief— Well, the moment has come. His eyes narrow and then open wide. A sensation of the Holy Spirit's presence, like the gusting of a mighty wind, blows into his inmost spirit. A young mother and father, wandering through the crowds, taking in all the sights and sounds of the busy temple morning, are holding tightly to a little infant child in their arms. And Simeon knows that that little baby is God. God has turned his face toward his people unto humanity, and he has come as the Word incarnate, as the Son of Man. And before that mother and father know what is happening, an old man has swept right up to their side and has already taken their baby into his arms. He holds the child above his head. Everyone in the inner court turns round to see the sight. And Simeon prays aloud, O sovereign Lord, it is just as you promised, and I am ready now to die at peace. For my old eyes have seen this child, your salvation, the one you have prepared in the sight of all nations, he who will be a revelation to the Gentiles and the eternal glory of your people Israel. For a long moment, the old man brings the baby low, clasping him against his chest while he stares with tears in his eyes into the eyes of the Christ child. The temple crowd, curious at the sight of all this, presses closer and closer. Finally, he hands the baby back to his mother, 
he regards her for a moment quietly. And he says, This child is destined to cause the rise and fall of many in Israel. He will hold up a standard that many will fight against. For he will expose the secret thoughts of many hearts. And as for you, the old man leans close to the ear of the young mother, your soul will be pierced as by a sword. At this moment, the encircling crowd begins to open out as an old, stooped-over woman begins pushing her way toward its center. The prophetess Anna is approaching. Arriving to the sight of Simeon, the young mother and father, and the child, the old woman stops. She smiles with a smile of sheer, overwhelmed delight. Then her eyes narrow, and she begins to speak. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The young mother and father then watch as the old woman and the old man walk away. The crowd around them disperses. The very next afternoon, Mary and Joseph return with the child to their home, get back to the living of their lives. But it has all begun. My friends, what possesses people like Simeon and Anna to give over their whole lives for the sake of a single moment? And you might be wondering why this particular message today, right now. Well, I'll tell you. About 60 years after that day in the temple, a man named Paul, wholly dedicated to the ministry of this Jesus, in fact, sitting in a prison in Rome for the sake of the name, had this to say about this very same Jesus. Now Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. He existed before creation began, for it was through him that everything was made, whether spiritual or material, seen or unseen. Through him and for him also were created power and dominion, ownership and authority. In fact, every single thing was created through and for him. He is both the first principle and the upholding principle of the whole scheme of creation. And now he is the head of the body, which is the church. Life from nothing began through him and life from the dead began through him. And he is therefore justly called the Lord of all. It was in him that the full nature of God chose to live and through him, God planned to reconcile in his own person, as it were, 
everything on earth and everything in heaven by virtue of the sacrifice of the cross. And that, just so you know, is Colossians 1, 15 through 20. So, who, to people like Simeon and Anna, were they dealing with when they beheld this face of an eight-day-old baby? God, that they could look upon. The pre-existent existence that began existence. The creator of all things, spiritual, material, seen, unseen. The motive force and the focal point of all perceptions of, of power, rule, ownership, and oversight. The principle of all principles. The founder of a new way of being called the body, from which flow the first fruit of life eternal. This is the Savior of the world, the God so unrelenting in the nature of his love that not even death was too much or too powerful to dissuade him from saving us. This is the God we may actually know. That old man and woman, watching as the rest of humankind went about its business, they teach us one of the most important lessons we can learn. We become our expectancies. Not our theologies, not our orthodoxies, not our dogmatics. No, it is what we watch for that will define our lives. Beliefs are things we have and hold and may lose our grip upon. But daily, watching, expectant, joyous belief is singular and active and takes its hold on us. So friends, two facts for your 2024, or whatever particular day you happen to be listening to this, or whatever year. Fact one. As the writer James Joyce once sort of stupidly brilliantly put it, life is many days. A new year is only a different set of days, cumulatively part of the whole, the whole being your life. Fact two. The Jesus of Anna and Simeon, the Jesus written of so gloriously by Paul, is as able to be encountered now as he was then. And there is nothing higher or better, nothing holier or more consequential than us giving our days to expectant living in his direction. Remember, he was before the before. He has already come to reveal his face before we were, and yet he still desires to be with us every day. You and I may live out every single day, one after the other, of this coming year or any year of our lives, expectant and even encountering this glorious one. So what do you think? Does that sound like a fairly glorious purpose for the year ahead? Thanks for listening.